Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of throwing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. Squatching uh, 
season, and and uh, mm-hmm. I know that coming up in February, I think it is the fifteenth, is uh, Hopsquatch is back on. So um, mm-hmm. we had an uh, an event so a couple weeks ago where they introduced a, a, a Sierra Nevada puts out a Bigfoot beer every year, and so um, the last couple of weeks. The years Hopsquatch has sponsored that event, and uh, it was a good time. So, yeah, guy, uh, guy really puts uh, good. You know, no matter what the guy's involved with, <laughs> he always managed to put something so just something so great together. It, it, the the uh, Bigfoot Lunch Club, uh, you know, Hopsquatch events are fantastic. We're always with great speakers. Can't say enough about it. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, one of my, of course, is something I always look forward to. Mark my calendar. So, and uh, if you, so if you're in the area, check it out. You can go to. Uh, he's got a Hopsquatch um, Facebook page as well as the Bigfoot Lunch Club. So, and uh, Crip Corner just posted the link in the chat room. So, well, I have to say that that uh, one of my uh, last week was one of my favorite shows uh, hosting. Uh, Monster X with had we had William Allen Barnes, uh, the director of the Falcon Project, on, and uh, it was I, for me it was it was pretty cool. I just the idea is I I really like the the research aspect of of big footing and and somebody going out and and uh, having an extended um, research project and and utilizing yeah. the the Technology that they're going to use is uh, pretty cool. So, um, I, I agree. You, I uh, yeah, you totally agree. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I just I totally agree with you. You know, it was a great show, fantastic show. Uh, I was really glad to have William on, and uh, you know, I'm really you know I'm excited for the guy, regardless of the outcome. Like I, I said on the show, and you know, just because it's actually looks like it's actually going to happen. He's going to get uh, you know his blimp in the air. He's going to have this ground crew. Um, you know, we've got a few little kinks work here and there, but uh, you know, it's, I'm excited for William. I'm excited of the possibilities. You know, uh, excited what 2015 may bring in something positive. So I'm happy about that. Something positive. Yeah, I mean, to get it out. So the guy's been working on the project for he said six years to get it off the yeah. the ground. So, um, <laughs> so it 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 is exciting. And uh, yeah, he's got, he's got, uh, he's working with Dr. Meldrum, and and uh, they have a, I mean, they actually have a, uh, a group that is vetting the the evidence. So it isn't that they're just finding stuff and and uh, saying, you know, so yeah, that's that's a something to me that's been lacking in in bigfooting is you know there's a lot of groups out there and collecting evidence and. And but how much of it actually gets analyzed and and then yeah. you know, vetted by a by a uh, independent council basically of um, it's just as a great idea so yeah and going to have a lot of people uh you know he he's got like a few kings to work out but it's going to have a you know a lot of uh, positive stuff going on with this with with working with. Uh, you know, a lot of the right people. It'd be great, it'd be great. I can't wait to hear you. I'll have him back on the show hopefully and uh, talk about uh, you know what he's up to. I know he, I know he plan, uh, women plans on keeping everybody updated uh, on uh, what they're doing, what they're finding, that sort of thing. You know, and uh, so one can hope that uh, everything will just uh, fall into place um, and that they can just get this thing you know fully rolling and uh, you know with the guys on the field uh, you know, safety and caution, you know, because they're going to be out there for you know, six months and some maybe longer, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, it was unfortunate they, you know, he was talking about, William was talking about uh, there's going to be an article in the Wall Street Journal and then when it came out, uh, it was, the Falcon Project seemed to be buried at, at the end and, and the <laughs> large large part of the article. Did you see the article? Yeah, I sure did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate is that it seemed 
typical with uh seems like the media likes to play up the the hoaxing uh, any negative part of the of Bigfoot research but uh a large probably three quarters of the article was talking about an um Tom Biscardi trying to start up an IPO for Bigfoot research so and yeah. um I think William said he had uh been interviewed by the the reporter for like four hours or some I mean it was a long time and they had one little quote in the article from him so um, <laughs> some you know yeah it's but, ridiculous and that's that's what the media like to focus on they yeah they seem to like you know to if they're not just flat, flat out making fun of of their uh focusing on on any possible hoaxing and and you know that kind of stuff is yeah i guess it's just you know what they think the their audience wants to hear so but it was i just it, it's cool that there was they there was some bit about the falcon project in there so yeah but, um, uh, you know, but it is what it is you know just gotta live with it because unfortunately you know that's not going to stop until there's some really uh, hardcore evidence. I mean, stuff that, uh, you know, the media will look at in a positive light, which <laughs> right now they're they're not going to do that. Uh, and they love making fun of uh, this topic, as do most. But some do take it serious, and uh, as, like uh, William and, uh, and, and and we do as well, and there's many others out there. So uh, you just got to uh, keep plugging away, keep working ahead. Yeah, it's, I think it's just just a matter of of. Uh, plus, I think you know the the way that research has been done up till now, for the large part, of things not being processed, analyzed uh, scientifically. The people here, you know, we got a lot of people out there doing the best they can. But I, I know I've ran into people that have claimed that they've had experiences made, that have made reports. And have found things, and they, you know, they don't even know what to do if they do find things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's right. It is a big. Uh, the season finale of Finding Bigfoot is on tonight. If if uh, if you're uh, up for that, um, mm-hmm. I know that uh, I watched. I actually did watch it. I hadn't watched it in a while. I watched it last week. It's still. I still get get a kick out of it. I mean, I like the the uh, town halls and stuff, and the reports that, that they get from from witnesses. You know, yeah. So, um, I, and I I the Ramble wants to know if Cliff is going to get eaten by a Bigfoot. I'm <laughs> thinking probably. You know, we're hoping not. So it's funny because Cliff always you know, goes about out it. by himself a lot when he's not on TV and um, doesn't carry a firearm. And like he, he, he said, his dream is to get, you know, if he's going to go <laughs> being, being ripped to shreds by a squatch is his like dream way of going out. So <laughs> I wish him luck. I mean, yeah, I think that's you know, one of those things that might seem like a good idea at the time later, if it were to actually happen. Yeah. But uh, he, Cliff takes it serious, though, um, despite, you know, the show. It's just a TV show. There's going to be more of those yeah. type of shows coming out, no doubt. And people either like them or hate them or just don't really care. Uh, yeah. But, uh, well, some of these people what, involved with these shows are serious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, there's yeah. a lot of I mean, people involved are serious, so. Yeah. No, I mean, those, yeah. I mean, those, um, you know, Renee was not a, a Bigfoot researcher before, prior to the show, but. She um, had an interest in Bigfoot because I had met her up in Washington when we were having a BFRO expedition up um, on mm-hmm. on the peninsula up there. So she came in. She was, you know, counting. She, her job was out counting fish at the time. So I think it was probably the furthest thing from her mind at the time that she'd be uh, on a TV show about Bigfoot. Yeah, of course, Matt. Well, Moneymaker's I, been in big footing for quite a while. You're gonna yeah, say I, something? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say. I kind of first, I can't wait for the. You know, I know uh, for the show that I just can't get over because you know, uh, Bo was actually part of 
us and do some research because of the show. So I'm kind of looking forward to the downtime, getting a chance to work with uh, Bobo more, more in the field and and uh, and that, you know, getting Cliff up, up you know, and uh, going out to with him. So, be, so I'm kind of looking forward to the uh, that part of the show, you know, uh, and <laughs> get get some of these guys out in the woods and uh, doing, uh, you know, full-time research. Exactly. I mean, I'm. Um, I saw Cliff present a couple times in the last couple of years, and he's he basically is ready to be done. I mean, he's he much rather be out um, in in his uh, research area and and uh, looking for Bigfoot in Oregon than mm-hmm. running all over the country. But I mean, it actually is a good you know it's a good job. So. Um, yeah, you get paid to travel I mean, I, and do what you love and talk to people. Being, what's that? So you get, you know, you get paid to travel, talk to people, uh, you know, and and do you know what you love. Uh, what's the, what's bad about that? I think it's fantastic. Uh, so. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's a great, it's been a great opportunity. I'm sure. I mean that's. Um, like you said, the, the biggest thing is. There's like a, a million and a half people that, that watch Finding Bigfoot, and and it's raised the awareness. I think it's it's allowed um, people that have had encounters to come forward and feel more comfortable talking about it. Um, I've had people that have come to to me, and and I you know I'm I'm pretty well known in my area for. That, that I'm into Bigfoot, and um, in fact, it, it's weird. This week was, and I had two occasions where where something came up. I was playing pool with my girlfriend on Wednesday, and uh, one of the guys there swears up and down that was in the the tavern. Uh, you know, hey, Bigfoot guy, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the guy was like, the guy uh, was he's we've met before, but he was talking about. He swears up and down that he has seen the um, costume that was used to make the Patterson Gimlin footage. Um, oh, interesting! It's hang- he saw it. About, he, he claims that he saw it about eight years ago. He knows who financed it, and uh, and saw it hanging in this this guy's business. Um, I think he said it was probably eight years ago. And it's funny that. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. I mean, it's you know, he may have just seen a costume, but I'm still, I still lean towards thinking that uh, that that's a footage of a, a live creature. So, yeah, <laughs> a Bigfoot guy, a <laughs> hey, Bigfoot guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, finding Bigfoot did create that kind of awareness. And on there, there's a Double-edged sword. There's a lot of negative stuff that came along with the show, like Finding Bigfoot, including many other shows that tried to mimic their success. And then you got the positive stuff. So, but it is it is neat though. A lot of people did have and will come out of their show and, and share their their stories or encounters or uh, pieces of evidence now because of shows like I, I'm I've been approached a ton. Um, I know you have Gunner and uh, Limit Project as well. Uh, there's a lot to be said about it, and uh, we'll see. Uh, what the uh, next uh, show will be? I know, I know, of uh, one or two that are going to be coming out. That uh, I, I can say one of them is a step above the rest. Uh, I'm not sure about the second one, but uh, so some exciting stuff there. Yeah, the other, the other uh, Bigfoot um, conversation I had this week was, I I have a grocery store in Garibaldi, Oregon, and of course people come in and occasionally um, want to talk Bigfoot. So um, this gal and her and her husband, she claimed that when she was 14 years old that, that a Bigfoot tried to kidnap her by pulling her out of an open uh, bedroom window down, and I believe it was in, they were living in Klamath Falls at the time. So uh, pretty, that was pretty interesting. And she's, but they now live up, up in, uh, in Tillamook County, and and uh, she's claiming claimed uh, to have had multiple sightings and 
and found footprints and um, uh-huh. and and I mean I I don't know I always wonder about people that but I've had more than one person that cl- has claimed multiple encounters throughout their life and then that's always interesting to me if um, if there's some kind of uh, th- then you're getting into uh, some woo woo stuff with you know. Do people put off a particular energy, and um, or is it just just the way people carry themselves in the woods? Because I'm, you know, I know that there's a difference. If I if I was a bigfoot, I I could tell the difference between uh, uh, a guy walking around, you know, a hunter with a rifle, and how mm-hmm. they're moving through the woods, and people just walking around with uh, uh, just checking things out. So. You know, yeah, people are just having a casual time in the woods. So I don't know. Well, that's uh, something you know. Derek, you know, Randall talked about a lot. Is is uh, you know, being you know, being a uh, guide and a lifelong hunter and and all that. Uh, you know, how to carry yourself in the woods. You know, your every animal when you step in that woods can read you. You know, I mean, uh, you're so if you're being you know, giving off uh, a sense of uh, being frightened, uh, angered. Uh, you know, the way you're moving in the forest, you know, your intentions, that those can be read, you know, and they can be felt. So I would imagine, you know, I don't know, speaking to people with multiple encounters or supposed multiple, you know, these guys, that there's, I, I personally don't, don't know if, uh, I don't think there's, things are being drawn to them uh, because of their actions or the way they handle themselves or just whatever they're giving off. Very, I do find it you know hard to, to fathom and swallow these people that have they claim to have multiple encounters. Did uh you know with that 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 girl that last story you were talking about? Did she describe the Sasquatch? Uh, oh yeah, she talked, out the window. Yeah, she actually talked about um the hair hanging off of its arm, you know, and the way she she demonstrated was you know four or five inches of hair hanging off off of its arm, so. Um, yeah, the 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 story of when she was uh, fourteen, uh, she said that the way that um, her that her sister actually saved her because she pulled a slap from underneath the the bed, you know, that the mattress sits on, and started whacking this bigfoot on the arm, and uh, that her mom came in with a because of course she was screaming and and uh, came in with a rifle. Didn't shoot it, but it took it took off. So, I mean, that's wow. Very very interesting. Uh, and I'm I'll, I'll talk to her some more and see what you know. They just I don't know. Uh, you remember you you came down with Larry and and uh, Tanya when we went out uh, up the and investigated that report that the guy had come and told me about um, going up over the the uh oh yeah hillside uh, yeah down there yeah yeah well ironically this couple bought property uh where the the road that that, uh we went up to to investigate that area they bought like 18 acres of property out just across the the main road that's out there from that that area so um oh wow yeah so and there's been other um, reports and and uh, from back in in that area. I mean, it, it, it just makes sense that if if there isn't really a Bigfoot, that they be in that that area out uh, you know out in the coast range. I mean, there's just a lot of open country out there. So yeah, areas like uh, you know Chillamook Seaside. Uh, well, a lot of those areas, areas amaze me. Uh, with the amount of life and the amount of forest and just the remoteness and uh, there's a lot to be said about those areas and it makes total sense. Why not? I mean, and they're very temperate, aren't they? I mean, you've lived in that area, very temperate. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's that's it, not an area that they would have to move in and out of that, you know, make, if, if they if they moved on the climate and, and there there's always uh, deer and elk and coyotes and one of the cool stories from 
from uh, it's on the BFRO website. There's an area uh, back behind basically where Cannock Beach is, and there's a there's a old growth. Uh, there's a, a stand of old growth with a lake in the middle of it. And it, it talks. The story is this guy was had been out and was walking down to this lake to go fishing, and he had a rifle with him, and that he got down there and saw something. At first, he didn't know what it was, um, hunched over, doing something, and then um, eventually shot his rifle, and it stood up, and it was a Bigfoot, and it kind of, I guess, looked around and, and uh, went back to what it was doing, and um, he shot right, shot his rifle again, and it got up and um, act pissed off, irritated, <laughs> and and jumped, jumped a ravine. Well, he went, when he went over uh, um, and... Uh, when he got to where it had been, it was had been eating a coyote in a trap. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. I mean, that's. Yeah. Todd Neese had his his sighting in the Coast Range, out by Saddle Mountain. In fact, that's he right. had. Yeah. And he actually talked to a gal, shortly after he'd had his sighting, that had had another sighting, uh, in the same area close proximity within up like a month of when he had his so um, and then he can yeah, yeah. you know Todd what's that oh sorry go ahead I and then he he had a expedition out there with you know a year a while later and with uh include with uh Peter Byrne I don't know who else was with him but where he was taking a leak by a tree and and uh he says one came up uh, behind him uh, and scream, screamed at him. So and he froze. I mean, he just froze solid. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, there's that. There's been, and it's weird. I've had had reports um, uh, from the area where close to where I live that I, I had no idea about that took place, you know, 30 years ago. And then I've had even uh, um, up till. A report as more recent as like last June. Um, uh, Cliff told me of a re- of a report on the on the coast area that was even you know within the last month. So there's, I mean, it just makes sense if you. I'm sure if you flew over uh, the coast range, it's there's little tiny towns and then there's a whole lot of uh, forest. So. Um, oh yeah, it's just a matter. I mean, you know, it's just a matter how look, many are out there, right? You look at you know topo, you know the topography maps. You look at all the amounts of uh, valleys and hills and glens, uh, bodies of water. I mean, Oregon and Washington and parts of North California, uh, huge amounts of forests that come right up next to the ocean, um, stretch for just miles and miles with abundance of food and natural resources, places to hide. Uh, I mean, you look back. Uh, Nehalem River, which is a river on the Oregon coast, uh, they're, you know, going back to Native Americans, talk about, uh, you know, the, the Native Americans fishing and hanging their fish up to dry or, or you know, putting them on, you know, the side, uh, tied up, having the uh, Sasquatch, you know, hairy man, walk up and take, take it, you know, they take their fish and stuff. I mean, there's lots of reports, even from the earlier days of, uh, interactions on the, the coast, you know, specifically with Native Americans. Tillamook like, uh, has got its uh, stories, uh, seaside and you know, can be, all these areas on the coast have uh, historical accounts that uh, some are fascinating and, you know, some are, you know, not so fascinating, but just the correlation and the, <laughs> the amount of sightings, right. it's pretty cool stuff. No, I had a, um, uh, report that I did for the BFRO several years ago that was out um, not out in the area for Anonia and out by mist and that way. And it was actually right, the guy lived right across uh, the highway from from uh, the Nehalem, which winds all the way, I mean, it ends up yeah. dumping into the Pacific Ocean, but it winds all the way up through the coast range. Um, in the northern Oregon, and 
his report was that he had come out and was going to um, going to run to the grocery store at like 11:30 at night. So he's actually going to drive a, a ways to go to the grocery store, and uh, which would have been classified. And uh, there was something hooting. It had been pouring down rain up up till then, and and the river was really high. And the the area across the river from where he lived was not easily accessible. I mean, it was it's gated uh, logging roads. Um, there's actually a, a cabin over there, but um, it's accessible by, you actually had to um, either go up the logging road and come a long way behind it, or uh, you would have, there's an, actually a little basket to, to uh, you could scoot yourself across among cables above the river. But it was a dark night. There wasn't anybody over there, and he heard this hooting and all the way it would go down the bank on the other side. And he could hear movement at one point, and a hoot. And he initially thought it was uh, was an owl, but it would. Then he heard uh, a loud splash in the river, like a, like a big rock being thrown in the river. And his dog was out there with him, and it like turned around and and sprinted back in the house. Um, uh, and Hyde cowered under the bed. And he finally went in and got his rifle and, and fired off, fired a shot off up into the air. And the hooting stopped, and then it moved down the the uh, bank a ways and started up again. It's weird. It's like, because I've heard that, too, you know, the, the rocks being thrown into to water. I don't know if it's to check depth where they could cross or, um, but. That was that was a pretty interesting um, investigation. I also, yeah, yeah. I mean, I investigated a report up in an area near uh, the Nahalem Bay State Park, where uh, the kid had been uh, was going. They had a storage shed, and they had a a chicken coop, and the storage shed was on the other side of the chicken coop, and uh, he was going to go get something out of the, the storage shed, and it was just about dark. And he steps out the door and uh, um, has a flash, shines his flashlight in the direction he's going, which is towards the chicken coop, and says there was a Bigfoot standing there looking in the chicken coop, and, and then the light went out. Hmm. Um, and he, like, his, it was weird because this is a big kid. He probably uh, 300 pounds. Uh, and he he's uh, his mind like first first was thinking that it's a person, so he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Oh. And then he you know, and he uh, and he could. One of the things when you're talking to witnesses, and I always like look for it. They one of the, if they've seen a real Bigfoot, they can't express uh, enough how big it was, <laughs> you know. And this like this thing was huge, and and uh, he yelled at it, and it like kind of turned towards him. And turned around and went, walked off. There was a greenway um, that went. And I, I, at the time, because it's like on um, the the south side of Highway 101, and I like, boy, that's you know that'd be a stretch for me. But there, but there's yeah. actually been bear sightings and and other stuff in that area. So, um, and I, it, ironically, when I was doing the investigation, and then I got done. I was driving around, and there was a, this big uh, sand bank, sand hill, and, and as I was driving by, it, I looked, and it looked like these big footprints coming down. In fact, that's the, the photo that I used for this episode on uh, Facebook um, is from that those footprints. And i like, if you see one of the other, the, the picture that's up there is just of these large impressions and I played around walking up and down the hill. And, and uh, there's, I actually have a picture that has my footprints in it. And then these footprints, and mine are like tiny. And the stride on this, um, I don't know. It it just looks, yeah. it was, uh, it was, and this was several months later. I'm like, huh, that, uh, that'd be a possibility. It's a big, there's a big empty area there. There's a creek that goes under the road. So you never know. I mean, there's. Not some place I think they probably live, but probably some place they yeah. might visit. So, yeah, I uh, 
I uh, I took a report too uh, often in the Halo. Um, uh, before I re- really ever did any sort of research on it, I wasn't uh, I, I had fished in the Halo before and stuff like that. But I took a report from a fisherman that um, he uh, went out on the Nahalem River fishing, just uh, bank fishing, and he came across uh, this pile of, um, uh, and he said it was a pretty pretty good-sized pile, a hefty pile, and he just thought it was kind of odd, you know, probably a raccoon or whatever, something. Um, then he, um, he, you know, kept on fishing the whole day, and he just got this, this, this weird feeling like something was watching him and whatnot. You know, he had uh, previously that day had found some cougar tracks on the trail he was on, pretty fresh. So, you know, he's kind of wary, and it was probably kind of what spooked him. But as he was sitting there fishing um, towards, uh, I think it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he heard something rustling around in the, uh, the the bushes and trees behind him, just something. He kept looking. He never saw anything. He heard something snapping stuff, moving around in there. sounded, you know, he described it as, as kind of large, you know. He thought maybe elk or something. He didn't know. He, he didn't really want to go in there because he did find some cougar tracks. Um and, you know, that went on for a little bit, and it got kind of quiet, and then all of a sudden, you know, he sees fishing, and he hears this, whoop, starts hearing, like, this, this plump noise, like something's <laughs> falling in the water. So he's looking around, you know, and you can't figure out what this, this noise is, you know, just here and there, just, you know, a little something here, a little sound here. And finally, he actually, what he said was, I'm pretty sure I saw a rock actually being, like, falling in the water. Like, he saw the splash, saw it come down, and he's thinking, well, only, you know, where's this, where's this come from? And, uh, make a long story short, you know, he never actually saw what was, what he described as possibly throwing rocks. And they weren't very big. He said some of them were, you know, acorn size to maybe a uh, quarter. They weren't big rocks. It wasn't like, you know, boulders or anything. These were small. I mean, describing the sound, you know, and, and possibly seeing one. He said, uh, it wasn't like a big splash. It would have been something small. And he doesn't, wasn't sure they were rocks. But in that area, um, you know, he just he he thought with the pile of crawdads, so that was kind of strange. Um, it, it was kind of rocky, so there wasn't any real big impressions or anything to be to be found. Um, but uh, I've taken in other reports similar to that, where people have actually you know uh, seen a rock come out of the out of the tree line um, on the on the on some of these coastal rivers and whatnot. Also, I was going to mention too as well some of the uh, you know Quinault and Grace Harbor, another area. We're close to the ocean with lots of reports. Um, you know, Sarah and John and Brown live over that way, and they got uh, some some a lot of stuff going on in their property activity, and and uh, have had actually. I, I've been there before when we had uh, heard you know something splash, sound like a large boulder falling in, um, uh, like a, a little bit there. It's a little bit it's a stream, but it's a little, not your average stream. It's pretty deep. Uh, you know, sound like large boulders being tossed in there, something like something cannonballing actually off, you know, a three-story building, but uh, <laughs> lots of, yeah, you know, real uh, loud. Um, with that story, real quick, you know, we were actually out therming. We had a heat, uh, had a heat signature on the therm. We were trying to make out what it was, and then behind us, we had this, this huge splash. I mean, just, and it was, you know, several hundred yards away. wasn't exactly close, but huge splash. And as we make our way down there, we hear, we're hearing, whoop, by some little rocks or something being tossed in the water. It was it was pretty cool. Never found the heat signature again, too. We had turned around, and that heat signature was gone. So whatever it was, you know, no idea, but uh, mm. pretty interesting, interesting what stuff. You, what what I know is I don't think, I'm pretty sure deer and elk and bears don't throw rocks. <laughs> so, And I had that, you know, <laughs> Jess and I had that experience this year of having, that best we could tell, it was, the rock that we found uh, the next day that was within about three feet of where she's been sitting that that had made the loud crash <laughs> on our on the recording and that the the weirdest thing is like when I listened to that and and she you know she had done a uh, uh, agitated chimp sound immediately before mm-hmm. that that yeah. loud crash so I mean if it's just you know I mean, maybe maybe something fell over. I don't know. I mean, but well, the most likely scenario seemed to be that that rock was the reason that that uh, well, having listened, that we heard the loud crash. What's that? Yeah, having listened, having listened to that audio myself, it, 
it was a loud crash. You could hear, you could hear, uh, you know, we should get that on Monster X sometime, just that little snippet. That'd be kind of cool. But yeah, uh, yeah, you hear her make the, the noise, and then that crash, you know, you heard it, and she jumps. It was immediate, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was nuts, you know. I mean, that to me was, uh, and it's a pretty pretty uh, active area as far as stuff going on in that area. And, uh, you know, there are other reports of rocks being thrown at, at people, so uh, not not mind-boggling to me, but it's pretty pretty amazing <laughs> the reaction and the timing. It was just, it was, yeah. And um, you yeah, also no. Gunner, with yeah you you know during my I had a, a sighting back in 2011 Mount Hood and uh, well my buddies were out there and we were out camping and we had a, a rock thrown at us at you know, two three in the morning it just missed my buddy's tent so uh, I I for me it's I I fully believe Sasquatch throws rocks you know besides you know yeah. just believing that believing they're real what you said. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing is, you know, you already know they're real because you, you know, you saw one. So that's that's uh, that, and that's one of the things. What is you know, kind of, I I've always had an interest, but but meeting people like yourself that that are um, are rational, you know, um, you you're not prone to like uh, Bigfootitis where everything's Bigfoot. You know, um, so it just pushes the needle for me towards. I still have until I see one. I think I'm, I'll always reserve some that maybe everybody mm-hmm. that I've ever talked to that has had a sighting is, you know, delusional. No offense to you, Shane. <laughs> yeah, I, but I mean that's you know I think everybody that yeah <laughs> that's logical. No, yeah, and and that that that's the right way to approach it. Period. You know, uh, you know, uh, David Ellis uh, casted a three and a quarter inch track, uh, up in Olympics. So I was checking it out. Um, while I was up, up at the OP and, uh, it was, it was impressive. It looked like a little tiny Bigfoot track, you know, it looked infantile. Um, the heel, you know, he, he did a fantastic job casting it. The heel was real deep. I mean, you can see where it, it had some weight to it and had like a, it stepped on a stick and, and its foot kind of, formed around the stick in the in the in the in the top straight substrate. Uh and you can count four toes. There wasn't you know, maybe there was a fifth toe, but it really from this cast it could only really see four toes. And what that meant, I don't know. Was it deformed? Was it natural? You know, anyways. Thing what I loved with, you know, the approach that, you know, with uh, OP members and, and people that are I'm attracted to are let you said, this is a human a human track until proven otherwise. You know, you're not going in and going, uh, this is a Sasquatch track, 100%. No, no. Let, let's let's prove what it is before we prove what it is. You know, and I right. love that thought process. And uh, David Elsa, for example, that he said, you know, this is a human or a, a child's footprint uh, track until proven otherwise. You know, and I mean, I'm looking at it going, wow, this thing, this is, this is awesome. I mean, just the detail. Uh, and there was other evidence found around that, you know, other tracks. Um, I think, I think he also cast a six inch track, uh, not a, not, not a big one. Um, but this area is known for sightings of juveniles, uh, Sasquatch, small, small Sasquatch. So it's pretty, pretty interesting, but yeah, just that, uh, that skeptical approach or the logical approach to saying, uh, not saying, okay, this is a Sasquatch 100% or, or, you know, this is this and that's it. It's, it's, it's actually going through all the data, and uh, you know, Occam, Occam's razor, you know. Well, and that's a the thing too is the the con- you have to have the evidence in context. I mean, like you're saying, it's you know, it become if you if you simply find footprints in the woods, and that's all you have, it's it's interesting and it's cool to to have in your collection. Um, but when somebody has you know, found there's there's audio and there's um, prints and there's been sightings in in a particular area. You're, uh, it's it's almost like you know you're building a case for the possibility that that uh, that's that's what your your evidence is leaning towards. Um, mm-hmm. And because you know it's just 
the, the context, if it's you find a, a child-sized footprint in the snow and it's been, you know, zero degrees out, it's actually very unlikely that it was a human out there running, their child running around in, the, in their bare feet in that kind of conditions. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's uh, the evidence has to have a, a context. So that's why you go out of the way to, to document everything and, and keep looking at, and it's kind of like the audio, you know, uh, you know, Larry that works with us and, uh, you know, David Ellis, Arlen Project, you know, it's about building patterns with the, with the audio, you know, it's, it's, look, you know, using certain soft software and stuff to recognize, um, or at least try to recognize, um, you know, compelling audio and analyzing it. And then that's really cool what they're doing right now, you know, is trying to actually match, uh, vocals from individuals, you know, uh, Possible Sasquatch vocalizations, you know, uh, to matching with certain, you know, within the range of just, you know, making, seeing if it could be the same individual doing this over and over again in certain areas, uh, just like you do with, you know, humans or animals, uh, you know, it's pretty uh, all about building patterns, collecting all the data, and, and doing your homework on it without jumping to conclusions, of course, because, I mean, it's all circumstantial, understandable, but much, much to be learned there if you can keep compiling, I think, you know, I think it's a lot of people are making strides in the right direction. Uh, a lot of people argue, nah, and a lot of people, you know, argue the point that, yeah, you're going to need a body. Well, it's true. You're going to need some sort of hard DNA, but it doesn't stop people from, from trying to figure out exactly what we're dealing with and uh, building up all these different patterns to try and understand. I think it's, it's amazing and awesome. A lot of people are doing some really great work out there. No, it's, I mean, that's, and the, the Olympic project is an example of, of it processes it takes to, to uh, investigate something like this. They're not, you know, they're, it's a slow process and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, their goal isn't necessarily to prove a Sasquatch exists. It's about, about uh, predictive behavior and trying to predict where they're going to be if they, you know, um, like Derek has had his own uh, encounters and and uh, and knows they exist as well. So um, one of the freakiest uh, <laughs> stories that I've ever heard is the one where he used uh, where baby cries um, and then went out by himself and and played those and and uh, that that story like. <laughs> that's one yeah, of the like, creepiest Bigfoot stories. <laughs> if you haven't had it the is. opportunity to to hear it, uh, you should uh, get a hold of Derek or or find. He'll, I'm sure he tells it, you know, on online on on interviews and stuff. Um, and yeah, I know he's he's uh, scheduled to be at the Florida Bigfoot conference, so. Um, a good reason to head down there if you're you're interested in hearing that story. I tell you what, that one, um, and a couple times, like when Larry and I had the weird thumping, um, following us in the in the pitch black, and uh, and we never did see anything, but it never it always seemed to be about the same distance away. So it's like one of the things that, that uh, Derek has said is they they seem to know just how far to stay out of out of sight and uh so yeah you know that's uh, also we were actually talking about that over the uh weekend uh gunner talking about mm-hmm. that uh that how come they managed to stay the certain distance i mean uh in ports people are like no they're right there but i just can't see them. i mean they're 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 just behind this tree or those places i just can't you know they know how far to stay it it what we're the discussion is kind of about was the intelligence, uh, just how how intelligent is a Sasquatch? You know, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, obviously, but we were just trying to fathom because uh, of a lot of what's reported. You know, especially with the being, being able to stay away that that distance without being seen or discovered. You know, when when they're harassing or doing what they do to people uh, you know, during signs or just during encounters. 
pretty amazing, and it's kind of hard to fathom, you know, for a lot of people, including myself. I mean, how how intelligent you know, it must be. Well, and that's the – but there's other animal behavior. I mean, how did deer and elk learn that by standing still that, you know, that that they're much less likely to be seen, that that's, mm-hmm. that's a form – part of their camouflage is to stand still, you know. So, I, I'm sh- you know, that they – and we're talking about something that uh, an animal that seems to be um, uh, more intelligent than a deer or a elk, you know, other known animals in in the forest. Yeah. All the way up to the, you know, they're that they're a tribe of of or a different species of, on a, on the same a different branch of of art that we are on the other branch. You know, it's po- mm-hmm. it's possible. I mean, it we don't, we just don't know until until they're proven, until we know you know where their uh, what their their nature really is. Uh, it, we have a lot of speculation, but not much uh, hard data. So yeah, working on that. Working on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, who knows? I mean, eventually it just could happen. So. Hey, we've got a caller in that's been in the queue for a while. I'm going to check and see if they've got a question before we get to the end here. Hey, area code 859, do you have a question? Yeah, hey, uh, hey, yeah, guys, this is Bo Owens of uh, Kentucky Bigfoot Haunts. Hey. uh, Yeah, a while ago, you guys mentioned uh, somebody used baby cries, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I've done that. I did that once. And I got the uh, the feedback I got was incredible. I got uh, yeah, I got uh, some incredible audio. I just left a uh, thermal camera sitting, and I I went in another part of the woods to set up some cameras. And when I when I brought that uh, when I brought that brought it back home and listened to it, it was like Christmas. It, uh you can hear whoops. Um, Growls, thumps, all kinds of stuff. And uh, if you'd like, uh, if you like, yeah, in a couple of weeks, I, I could play it for you guys. If you want to hear it? I'm going to write down yeah. your your number right now. So. Okay. Yeah. I won't be on next Sunday. Next Sunday, Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if we should actually not do a show next Sunday. We probably be uh, talking to ourselves, but. Yeah, really. <laughs> I think so. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I know that I'll probably be watching the Super Bowl, so it might be loud in the yeah. background. if. Uh, yeah, it probably would, you know. <laughs> but um, but on, my, on, my, on my Facebook site there, Kentucky Bigfoot Haunts, I got a video there of uh, me and my nephew. We found a, a footprint, and it was in February. And, you know, it, it was, it's a huge uh, print, and I've set my foot down next to it, and you can compare it to the size of that, that one. And it, it was like on a hard gravel road, so, you know, it, it's pretty convincing. That's pretty cool. But, I mean, there's... Uh, yeah. And, uh, but so the and so you used baby baby cries, too, and, and got... I'm almost a little concerned after hearing the... Derek's story. Uh, okay, I didn't hear his well, story. And you did use uh, baby cries, but was he attacked? No, no, but it was a very aggressive uh, crashing it coming in his direction, and then oh, if wow. stalkers were, it would have been out of sight. So, yeah, uh, right. breathing, all that, you know, this was up in, this is miles and miles and miles out in the middle of nowhere, up near the Blue Mountains of Washington, um, mm-hmm. in the Blue Mountains, and yeah, it was, uh, you know, he had played this, uh, it actually was his own child, and they had recorded, and he looped wow. it, so just, it played over and over again, and had something coming down from a ridgeline, crashed through, the, I mean, he played for hours, got a crash through the ridgeline, crossing the field, coming up to uh, basically a little, I think, a stream that separated uh, him from like the uh, the woods, and uh, he never actually saw. It. He just heard breathing, but he did find a. Uh, there was a uh, impression there the next day, a track on the other, just on the other side of the stream, right 
you know, right where he was at. <laughs> it was pretty, 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 uh, pretty crazy stuff. I mean, a pretty uh, hairy encounter. Oh yeah, that goes. Uh, it, was, I, it was one of those stories you know, that, that probably, probably is like, uh, you know, seemed like a good idea at the time. Because he he questioned his own uh, yeah. judgment about it. <laughs> Sitting in the woods, hearing that thing coming in his direction. Yeah, he he said he never wanted to. Uh, at that moment, there he was. Not, he wanted out of big footing. He didn't want to do it anymore. He was done. <laughs> but, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, um, but, um, yeah and, um, I, I've experienced the big Bigfoot. The times I've seen him, I've always had somebody with me. And, but I always had better luck when I go up squatching alone. Yeah, I get better results. I don't know. Like camera-wise and Audio wise, I always capture stuff. <clears throat> that's I don't know why I mean, that, that is. Yeah, well, I mean that's and it's good to know that you know you go out and test things and see what works and what doesn't. We, um, I know that uh, one of the craziest encounters that came out of our area was when uh, Larry was out there by himself. Um, in fact. He, after that encounter, yeah. he doesn't want to do it again. So he thinks all the rest of us should do it as part of initiation. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm happy to live vicariously through his tent experience, and uh, I'm good. I'm good with that. Uh, if Shane wants to go out there and, and go by himself and um, record that, I'm happy to support him in that. Yeah. You guys, oh, I'm, I'm, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, would you guys like to hear about my first encounter? I was 14. Sure, we got a couple minutes left, so. Okay. It was uh, back. Okay, this is back in the late 70s, and uh, me and my dad, who's go- he's gone now, and my my brother, uh, we went camping there in Northern California on the Trinity River, and um, uh, we heard this loud crashing across the river from us and uh it was really loud and, and we didn't know you know we we didn't know what it was across across the river there but anyway after nightfall um we uh my dad saw him with the high beam flashlight he saw uh, three bigfoots it was like uh the parents and then a youngling a juvenile bigfoot and we shined a light in their eyes and they glowed red and uh good the adults head was like heads was like three foot wide, and my dad, I mean, he stood there and watched them all night. And me and my brother, we crashed out, and uh, they stood and stared at each other all night. And my dad said he counted twenty eight UFOs overhead that night. It was something else. Ah, that's yeah. I don't know. That's a. That's uh, interesting, the UFO connection. So, right. Well, we've got about a minute left. Um, I'll remind you that actually, I think uh, we're not going to have a show next week because we've got. Uh, I'm sure that everybody's going to be uh, interested in the outcome of the Seahawks' mm-hmm. second Super Bowl. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm for the Hawks. Default, too. What's that? I said, I'm going for the Seahawks, too. Okay, good, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we won't have another uh, uh, football inflate-a-gate. But, so, thanks, everybody, for uh, coming and listening to Monster X this weekend. Yeah. Thanks, Shane. Thanks Thank for a caller. We'll, uh, I'll get a hold of you, and we'll have you on in a couple of weeks. Okay, cool. That'd be great. All right. Thanks, everybody, and remember to uh, go to www.squatchcoffee.com and get your uh, Sasquatch coffee. Support our uh, sponsor. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll uh, talk to you in a couple weeks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.